Miller Lite is brewed not only to taste great, but also to be less filling. It only has 96 calories, so you won't fill up. It's brewed to be enjoyed from tip-off to the final buzzer. It's the original light beer and has been since they first showed up courtside in 1975. Today's podcast brought to you by SeatGeek. The NBA Finals are here, and SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to your favorite team's games. With SeatGeek's seamless mobile experience, you can buy and sell tickets in just two taps. SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. There's nothing like being in the stadium for the biggest plays of the year. I have SeatGeek on my phone. It's the easiest way I've found to shop for tickets. I can be anywhere with just a few taps, and I can instantly find seats. I actually just used SeatGeek recently to buy concert tickets. SeatGeek's designed to make your ticket-buying experience easier than ever. They save you time and money by searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices and find amazing deals. Plus, every purchase is fully guaranteed. You can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. Best of all, our listeners get a $20 rebate on their first SeatGeek purchase. To get your $20 rebate on tickets download the seat geek app go to the settings tab and click add a promo code enter the promo code ringer nba seat geek will send you 20 bucks once you've made your first ticket purchase download the seat geek app and enter the promo code ringer nba today Welcome to the Ringer NBA Show. I'm Chris Vernon. Joining me today is Zach Harper. You can read him at FanRagSports.com. You can follow him on Twitter at TalkHoops. What's up, Zach? Hey, this series is like kind of over, right? Is it? I don't know. I, I keep trying to make comparisons to last year, and they're like, well, game three, Cleveland came back and destroyed the Warriors in their home court, and... You just look at all the things that went in Cleveland's favor for them to win the series last year, and now even if all those things happen, the Warriors still have Kevin Durant now. So I don't know. And this becomes the issue, right? When we saw in the San Antonio series, uh, series which got marred by Kawhi being out, but Durant and Curry simultaneously are at peak of powers, and you figure, I mean, I would have figured, one of them can at least be made some somewhat inefficient. But instead, Durant's been out of his mind the first two games, and Curry had a triple double last night. So they have they have not made they have not slowed down either of them a bit, and that's the problem, right? No, and you look at that. You look at like look at how LeBron's defending right now. He, as he's getting into the second half of these games, he looks exhausted because they can't hide him anywhere. It's not like you need to hide him because he's a bad defender. You just need to hide him to give him a breather especially when Kyrie Irving's giving you virtually nothing. I mean, I know he ended up with 19 points last night, but it was one of the most empty 19 points you'll ever see in the NBA Finals. He went like 8 of 23. And you look at, like, Kyrie's giving him nothing. Kevin Love had a good, you know, first half. It was a pretty good game overall. Uh, but Tristan Thompson has been almost unplayable in the first two games. So it means, like, LeBron has to do even more than he already had to do. And on top of that, he's got a guard – you know, it's not like you're being like, hey, guard Harrison Barnes, he's hot. Oh, he's got to guard Kevin Durant, or he's got to guard Draymond Green, or he's got to chase Curry around on a switch or whatever. And that's just, you know, I guess we're finally seeing LeBron look somewhat human. Here's what I'll say, and I blame Tyron Lue for this. In the end, LeBron, yes, he, he clearly, he said he needed like, uh, he didn't need uh, to be IV'd. He needs food and wine, right? Maybe we can give him food and wine at halftime. But that's not that's not the issue. <laughs> like that's what he needs to do, right? Just get food and wine at home. Baker, what are we doing? We can't yeah. do that. We can't wait till after the game. Here's the truth: 
You can't burn him out like that. And the way you burn him out like that is by playing at this absurd pace. They literally have no chance of matching up small and no chance of outgunning the Warriors. And that's seemingly how they're playing it. And so, of course, he was going to the basket a ton in the first half. And I just, I, I sit there in awe, like, why are you playing it out this way? There's no way you're going to outscore them. Like, you've got to, you've got to play some half court basketball against this team, and you've got to get to the foul line. And instead, they're trying to, they're trying to race up and down the court. And then you see this in the second half. Guess what? The Warriors are still racing up and down the court, and the Cavs are, they're, they got their hands on their knees. Right, and like for all right for the, the previous two finals, like the Warriors pretty much outplayed them, right? I mean, they they outplayed them in 2015, and they out they outplayed them for the first four games of of uh, 2016, and then the Cavaliers make this amazing comeback with you know a couple of fluky things and a couple of just really incredible. Uh, I was about to say gritty things, but I don't want to take that away from Memphis to get in trouble there. So I you know some really tough things of ways to. They get back in the series, they win a championship, historic comeback, boom, everything's great. But for the most part, they've been outplayed uh, over the last two years. And and when they were getting outplayed in 2015, they said, all right, well, we got these injuries. You know what, LeBron, just you take the ball, you're going to crawl the ball up the court. Like, we're just going to slow everything down. We're going to make this an ugly, just throw things in the mud and see who comes out of it type of game. And, and, you know, Cleveland could kind of survive that way. They eventually died, but they could kind of survive that way. Now the Warriors have Durant and everyone's healthy. Curry certainly looks healthier than he did last year. I almost think like this full-strength Cavaliers team, or as full-strength as you can be at this point in the season, they have to do that. They have to just walk the ball up. Like, they, there's no transition. You can't be. You, like, you get a turnover, you just have to walk everything up and make this as ugly and slow as possible. You've seen it when you saw Oklahoma City get up 3-1 against the Warriors last year. You've seen it over the course of the past couple of years with teams that have had any level of success against the Warriors, right? You have to you have to play slow, you have to put them into a half-court game and you have to be the way more physical team and that's what that's what's even more perplexing. Cleveland, like, they offer no resistance. Where are, like, the hard fouls? Where are, like, the we're coming out here and trying to play? Like, coaches always say play with force. It's just like they're, they've been willing to get in these track meets with the Warriors, and then they get their ass run out in the third quarter. And then even even it was even pretty deep into the third quarter, and it was still a two-possession game. But you could you could see blood in the water. And that this thing, this thing could get out of hand rather quickly, especially because, like I said, when they were going to the foul line and stuff, you saw guys were like their, their hands on their, their hands on their knees. Those guys, you could tell they they can't make this ten more minutes playing like this. Right, and and it leads to these moments where I mean, probably like you know six to ten moments in each game so far. Looks like the Warriors are doing layup drills. I mean, you're right. Like there's no there's no resistance at all. There's no. You know, no hard foul, and and it can't be that. Like Tristan used to be that guy, not the hard foul guy, but he was just he was tagging everyone when they came through the lane. He was hedging these screens and bumping guys and being physical and playing defense with his arms, but in a way that you know it wasn't getting called, so he was able to get away with it. Maybe he feels it's going to get called now. Maybe he's exhausted. Whatever it is, but Tristan Thompson has to be the guy to set that tone. Uh, J.R. Smith has to be the guy to set that tone. LeBron has to be that physical guy. And Kevin Love, I mean, I didn't realize what I'm saying here, but Kevin Love has to be 
a physical force inside. It doesn't mean he has to beat Dikembe Mutombo and start turning shots away at the rim. He's got to put bodies on guys and check them when they come through. And I don't like. This is going to be the dumbest question I ever asked you, um, and I feel confident that. Is there a certain point where you just need to bring Dante Jones into a finals game early and let him stir some <laughs> stuff up? De- either Dante or like DeAndre Liggins or whoever. Right, someone like kid, go earn a contract next year. Hey, this is how effed up this is. I swear, this is how effed. There was a moment last night where I'm sitting there going, "God, man, they really miss Delavadova." <laughs> they do. I, I was just, I was seriously about to say that they miss Matthew Delavadova. That's what it. I felt like like he had some he was gritty, he was diving on the floor, he was it's it's crazy because he is that type of guy. Right? And and you have this even in your workplace, right? If you see somebody that's just always working harder than everybody else, it it inevitably raises the level of work and or play of everybody else because you don't want to feel like an idiot. Like this guy's diving on the floor, this guy's Get not me, Verno. I'm taking the easy street Stop. the whole way. Not me. I see that guy and I go, nope, that guy's a sucker. That guy's a sucker? Hey, Del Vadova, <laughs> I, I honestly had this moment last night. Like, man, they sure could have used – they could use him just roughing somebody up. And if it's not him, Delhi, somebody making that type of play, pissing the other team off or diving on the ground or diving at somebody's ankles or – catching a rebound and throwing an elbow in traffic, like something like that. It's like that edge that, like they have had no edge in the first two games whatsoever. None. None. And, and you know, I mean, the guy that they have on the roster who who could actually do that and doesn't, you know, make you laugh like Dante Jones does is Iman Shumpert. Like Iman Shumpert can be that gritty you know, chase everyone around, be a physical defender type of perimeter That's guy. That's funny you he say that. that. I, I thought about this, Zach. Do you, you might remember this sequence last night at the game where Curry tried to set, like, four screens. And this is at yeah. the top of the key. Durant had the ball, and Curry, like, tried to set four different screens, and Shumpert just chucked him out of the way four straight times. Yeah. Right, he just decided, and it, the reason that that stood out so much is because it was juxtaposed against – Kyrie just like he he dies on screens, he just gives up. Oh my god! I mean, it, it's yeah. unbelievable. Wait, like you saw Shumpert just throw guys out of the way, and I've always believed that's the best way to try to deal with the Warriors is just try to blow up all those screens. Just stay with yeah, your you guy. Have to. Yes, you have you have to, and you you can't do the switching stuff any anymore because uh, because Durant's there. There is no guy to switch off of, and and now you you know you still have a pretty favorable matchup everywhere. And, and that's the problem that, that, that brings up. And the thing with Shumpert, though, the, why he can't be the Delvadova guy is because Delhi could, like, run a pick and roll and, you know, throw a lob to Tristan, right? Or he had that funky-looking floater. Or, um, as the great Miles Brown once said, he looks like he's jumping out of a birthday cake when he shoots a jumper. But that jumper would lead to 40% <laughs> from three. Like, he's a 40% three-point shooter in Cleveland. Um, and, and so, like, he had these little things. Shumpert looks like a drunk puppy trying to catch a frisbee every time he has the basketball. Like he does. Like he he has played some of the most horrendous offense I've seen in the playoffs during these first two games. And it's not like he's a high volume guy. It's just his possessions. He is maximizing how bad he can be on those possessions. He's dribbling way too much. His jumper's way off. He's not getting to the basket. He's not really doing anything with the ball. He's not setting guys up. And so, like, even if he's that guy on on defense, 
the guy he is on offense, it's like it's like J.R. Smith got zapped by the Monstars. Like he's just like he, he's playing like J.R. Smith should, but without any of the results you think J.R. could could actually have. And it feels like with the Cavs, it was 13 games in a row that they have played, which featured a little resistance. And they end up through those 13 games that they played in the Eastern Conference playoffs with 120.7 offensive rating per 100 possessions, which is the best in the mark in the last 40 years. And it feels like it was all fool's gold and that they bought into it. And maybe not fool's gold against maybe anybody else. But fool's gold against what you can do against the Warriors. The last thing the Cavs needed to be was amazing offensively, right? Because now you get to this point, and you ain't gonna be as good as them. And they've got a defense that was uh, that was fantastic throughout these playoffs. And it was like, okay, you ran up all these scores, and it feels like Cleveland's still playing the way that they did when they were up. 70 to 20 or whatever the hell it was against the Celtics. <laughs> right? And they just think they can yeah, win. No, like they, they have very good reason to believe they can win like that. Right? And it's just not dropping or whatever. But that was all fool's gold when it comes to the Warriors because you can't you try to play like you did against Boston. Yeah, you can be up you can be up 40 points at halftime against them, but not against this team. You're never going to be up like that against this team. So you better figure out how to slow this thing down and play some half-court basketball. And I'll admit, I got sucked in because I thought, oh, here we go. You know, Me too. All right, the, the Cavaliers had the, that one little blip against Boston. They are up 23 in that game. That's a fluky loss, so they should be undefeated. We should have two undefeated teams right now, the two highest-powered offenses. Like, this is going to be incredible. I got sucked in, and now that that March of the Eastern Conference playoff, it feels like I'm, I'm the, the fan going – Look, I know this team's struggling right now, but did you see them in preseason? Like they were clicking in preseason. Like that's what it feels like. All the the Eastern Conference playoffs feel like like they were just preseason, and then none of that stuff matters, and none of it will ever matter. I mean, last night, it, and I agree with everything you just said about like, hey man, like forget the offense; their defense is horrendous, right? And this was the thing that was supposed like we knew was a question throughout the season. They said they were going to flip a switch. They said they had secret and they, you know plans and all this stuff. And they, they were going to have it figured out. And it looked like at times, other than the Indiana series, like they dominated Toronto. They dominated Boston. Their defense looked really good at certain points of those series. Um, but now, like, you, you look at it last night, and they were minus 30 at the three-point line. They gave up 18 threes, and they only hit eight. And you can, I mean, you couldn't do that against a high school team. <laughs> minus 30 at a, at a at the three-point line, especially not an NBA Finals game. Well, and I saw one, one of the things watching it last night. Uh, one, I will make an excuse for Cleveland in the sense that there's this moment last night in the maybe third or maybe early fourth where Curry pulls it from 30 feet away. It's like, okay, yeah. like, what, what am I going to do? Am I going to shit on them for their bad defense? Like, that's just that. Like, right. I mean, it's not, like, I guess you could have face guarded him from 94 feet. But <laughs> right. really, like, that's pretty. <laughs> okay, so there's really no defense for that. On the other hand, the reason that their defense, I think, especially in those Easter Conference playoffs, was not nearly as bad as, as what the bigger sample size gave us was because they were always scoring. The other teams couldn't stop them. And so they're always scoring. And their half-court defense can get by. But that's the issue. Now they've run into a team that they don't score on at will. And so they don't get to play half-court defense very much. right? They're, when you're not, 
their their offense, and I get it, their defense is no good. It's really their transition defense because they right. cannot cross match and they cannot run up and down the court, especially given the personnel that they have and play. If you put them just in a okay, he, you uh, we're gonna walk it up. You you take a possession. You walk it up. We'll take a possession. Their defense is it's not it's not abhorrent, but they don't play defense like that much because they can't score the same way that they did. And so now this is all some kind of a reality. That being said, you move into game three. I absolutely think that I I would give them credit that there can be an awareness. Okay. This ain't how we can play. The other thing is you're going to have the home crowd psychologically. Game three is always the one that even if it's a, bad series the home team can get because the other team you know they don't lose that much if, if they lose the first if they lose game three it ain't that big of a deal they'll just win in their minds game four and then go close it out at home in game five I think that's what Vegas thought at the beginning of all of this which was right. the the right the most the most likely scenario betting wise was Warriors in five well I've got to believe that that was and and then the Second most likely scenario was Warriors in seven. So the idea is they can win game there. I think they could slow it down, pound it into the ground. And the other thing is they might get a million calls in game three because this is this is going the wrong, wrong way. And it felt like last night for the first time, the majority of NBA fans were going, okay, we all thought this was stupid it last July. But this is now that we're seeing it all play out. This sucks, and they're mad about it, right? Right. They. I mean, they. They are mad about it. the only, the only rede- redeeming quality here for, for putting a stamp on this season. And you know, I like I. I'll enjoy anything. I'll enjoy a Hornets Nets game on a Tuesday night, right? Like I, I'll watch anything. I love it all. Um, you know, I can get behind all this stuff, but. From like looking at the casual fans' perspective, or, or even a, you know an NBA nerd like me who just doesn't care about elitism as much as others do, um, you know I I can see it and be like the only redeeming quality here is if the Warriors sweep them, because then there is the historic like sixteen and zero, and this is and like if you're going to create this eliteness, it has to be historic eliteness. But then at the same time, like that justifies this entire thing in a way that it's like, this is a team that we will talk about forever. But the problem with that is nobody likes this team. Like, this, is, this is the 96 Bulls. Like, nobody outside of the Bay Area likes the team because it feels like they stacked the deck. So in that respect, you almost think, like, well, Cleveland has to get back in the series to redeem it, but that feels like this hopeful wish. Like, I'm, I am trying to make all these comparisons between last year and this year. And, and, you know, the point totals are similar. I think it was like 48 point, plus 48 points in the last two games last year uh, or in the first two games last year, and it's like plus 41 right now. So, like, those, you got to have a similar thing, and now they go back to the Cleveland and they get to, you know, make a run at that um, and try to flip the, you know, flip the story of the series, uh, what is it, Wednesday night. Um, but it also, like, kind of feels like the 2014 finals where – Sure, LeBron got a game, and so like the sweep wouldn't wouldn't you know justify that or wouldn't justify that comparison. But in 2014, there was a certain point where LeBron just kind of looked like he knew, and it was well, I'm going to look good because my numbers are going to be good, and I'm going against this guy Kawhi Leonard, and I have incredible individual matchup. My numbers will look good, but we're not doing anything here. Like we're getting blitzed, 
and it kind of feels like a sweet version of that series right now. Like LeBron kind of seems like he knows during these games, especially in the second half, like, man, this is, we just don't, we can't weather the storm because Kevin Durant is a constant storm. So even if you get a poor performance from Clay or Draymond Green's in foul trouble or Steph Curry hasn't decided to like go MVP mode yet, you still have Kevin Durant to deal with, and that's just got to suck. All right, Zach, we got to take a quick break to hear from some of our sponsors. Today's show is brought to you by the NBA Awards on TNT. Live from New York on Monday night, June 26th, the NBA Awards show begins at 9 p.m. Eastern. It will be hosted by Drake. The awards are officially changing this year. In the past, NBA Awards were announced sporadically once the season ended. But for the first time this year, the awards will be presented in person to the players and recipients in a brand new NBA Awards show live on TNT. The NBA on TNT studio crew of EJ, Kenny, Chuck and Shaq will have a large presence on the show as well. Awards presented include Kia NBA MVP, Coach of the Year, Rookie of the Year, Most Improved Player, Defensive Player of the Year, and much more. There'll also be new awards this year that the fans have a chance to vote on, like Best Style, Game Winner of the Year, Dunk of the Year, and Assist of the Year. Remember, don't miss out on the NBA Awards on TNT, live from New York, June 26th at 9 p.m. Eastern. Ringer NBA show also brought to you by No Man's Land. I have to tell you about a great book, No Man's Land, by number one New York Times bestselling author David Baldacci. If you like intrigue, mystery, and plenty of fast-paced killer thrills, it's a must-read. John Puler has long been haunted by his mother's disappearance, but the truth may destroy him in No Man's Land. The Associated Press calls it action-packed and thought-provoking. Revenge or redemption, No Man's Land is available in trade paperback. And look for The Fix, the new Memory Man novel by David Baldacci. Out now. Here's the thing, and I was talking about this, I was thinking about this last night, because I am your NBA fan that's sitting there going, this is stupid, come on, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, I just want to, I just want to watch competitive basketball, I want to see these great moments down the stretch, somebody's got to make a play, at least it being in the balance with five minutes left to go, and I've been... It's been a, a playoffs, frankly, devoid of that for the most part. And now to the NBA Finals, which, which I was just hoping. I was looking so forward to this that maybe we could get some great games. And obviously we have not had – neither of the two games have been good. And so I'm doing whatever what everybody else does is ponder it. After I get mad, I'm thinking to myself last night, I'm going, do you know how many friggin' things had to go wrong last year, Zach, to set this up? Like, yeah. Hey, a, like eight things. A, yeah. Dur- a Durant has to lose, right? He has to lose to uh, blow the three-one lead. Like Clay Thompson goes supernova in Oklahoma City, or else Oklahoma City's going to win that series. So that has to happen. Then the Warriors, who are up three to one, have to get Draymond suspended for Game Five, and and then and then who knows what what the Cavs do. Maybe the Cavs look at it, but Durant doesn't go there if they win that championship. And then, so he doesn't go there if they win that championship. And on the flip side, what about the Cavs? If they got bombed out 4-1 to one in that finals, do they look at it and go, all right, this isn't going to work. We're not just going to run it back. But instead, you had this you know confluence of things that took place. They end up winning the title, and now here we are. And the other thing is the whole cap smoothing right the fact that there was no right that, that it happened at this exact time right when durant was a free agent that enabled this to take place 
Um, Michelle Roberts negotiated for this, and so it enabled the Warriors to be added added Durant. And so I'm just thinking to myself last night, all the ways that this could have been sidetracked, but instead it all fell, all the puzzle pieces fell together, and now look, and you just you sit back and you wonder, like, all right, like you just got to pray for injuries with them. It feels like, like because if they're if they're gonna keep running this back, like. This is this is ridiculous. Yeah, and like, how many injuries do they? It's not like it's one injury, right? Draymond, like, Draymond, not, Draymond. Yeah, yeah, like it, it has to be Draymond and someone. Yep. Draymond, but Draymond has to be the constant in like that. Oh, I hope for injuries, and then you're the fan who hopes for injuries. I know. Like that's a horrible thing. And think about like the you said like these these crazy events that have to happen to set up this scenario, right? And one of those goes back even earlier than that. Like, what if Harrison Barnes just goes, I want to be here. I'll take that four-year, $68 million extension. I'm not going to go out and get a max. I don't need that. Like, I'm just happy being a part of this team. I think we can win championships forever. I want to be the guy. I want to be Robert Ory. I want to be the guy that just wins championships year after year. What if earlier that, that season, the beginning of that season, I think it was four years, $68 million as an extension. What if he just says yes? Then none and, of this happens. Oh, you're right. And then what if none and of how about happens because they don't have any cap room? Well, and how about if Jerry West isn't in the in isn't in the front office of the Warriors to be able to sit down with Kevin Durant? You know, it was chronicled. He sits down and basically says, "I left my career with all these regrets. I would have done this. I would have done this. I would have done this. Right. You, only, you only get one chance to do this. And when when Jerry West is sitting there telling you this. It, it, he's the logo, for God's sakes, right? You're right, and, and you know who's so you know who's to blame for this? The great Bill Russell for kicking Jerry West's butt all the time. <laughs> he's the one that sets this up. <laughs> We're gonna track it back. We're doing like the uh, was the old uh, Kevin Bacon game. We're gonna track this all yeah, the way back. Yeah. The NBA was ruined because of Bill Russell. There, hey, I should I should put that out. That is of all the scorching hot takes that are being given out. This is the season of the hot take, especially with all the Jordan LeBron stuff and everything else. If I if I do, if we say from this podcast, Bill Russell ruined the NBA. And then we tie it back to if Bill Russell doesn't kill Jerry West, Jerry West doesn't sit in an office with Kevin Durant telling him there are so many things I regret. Don't look up, you know, 20 years from now and regret not being on a team that can win it. <laughs> Hey man, after after game three, I may not have any other angle to, to approach. So unless the ringer, unless the ringer throws this out there tonight, like I don't know, I may I may do this. You gonna sit on this? I don't know what other angles to take. <laughs> I wish I wish it weren't so. And I did said you know when we started the podcast. You said, "Is this? It feels over." And you were in that arena last night. And that yeah. envir- environment looks. I mean, when they get when they get on their scoring, when the, when the wave hits, the crowd goes absolutely bonkers. There's the timeout. It just because of the way it looks on TV. And I'll give Golden State and their fans credit for this. It looks even worse than it really is, <laughs> right? Because I remember last night. What was it? Uh, it was in the first half. Because by the end of the first half, it was a it was less than a five point game. Or maybe it was right. a five point game. Okay, but there was a moment in the sec in the in the second quarter where Golden State went on a run and went up by like I think it was thirteen maybe before Cleveland went on a nine oh run. But they were up thirteen. It goes to a commercial break. I go to Twitter, I hit refresh, and there's a you know, there's a hundred people in a row going, All right, we're done here. 
because you're watching it yeah. on TV and it's like, okay, dude, this is this is over, <laughs> right? Crowds you know, on top of someone, someone I was watching, someone I was sitting next to, a media member I was sitting next to, we're like at the seven minute mark in the or the five minute mark in the first quarter. I think Golden State was up ten or something, and they were just cruising. And he's like, "All right, well, we're done here." Like, we're <laughs> seven minutes into the game. You can't call the game then. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get to Durant. The uh, Miller Lite holds true player is Kevin Durant. He, by far and away, would be the front runner for the MVP through the first two games of the of the series. He has been otherworldly. And last night there was another check mark that he made, which is Draymond goes out of the game. They end up playing him as a small guy, big guy, as the, as it were, almost like a center. And he's got five blocks. He's got the three. St- like he was this defensive force of nature last night like we've never seen before. And he has been credited this year and, and even last year as, as being a much better defender than he has previously been given credit for. Um, but last night he was a force of nature defensively. And I wonder, as this is all playing out, Zach, is it? Do you think that this is greatly enhancing Durant, or do you think everybody? I don't want to say everybody. A majority of fans, especially from other teams, are going. You know what? F that guy. Of course, he's playing great. He's playing with three other guys. He took the easy way out to a championship, and so nobody's really going to give him credit for being this totally ridiculous. Uh, this ridiculous. Outside of Paul Pierce, who called him the best player in the world last night. Outside of Paul Pierce, right? Um, do you think that he's just not going to get his just desserts on this, or the accolades, or or necessary that his the the perception of him that that's already written because of the decision he made, and that so he's not going to get the credit he deserves for his greatness. It's going to take it's going to take way more than this, and it can't and it can't be decided in this series. Like he's he's never going to it, he could drop eighty points next game, no one's going to care, outside of Warriors fans and, and apparently Paul Pierce. Like no one no one's going to care because, um, because that was a little sneaky. All, feels like a little uh, LeBroni grudge going on from way back in the day. Kind of does right. Like Paul yeah. Pierce, like yeah, now someone's on you. Now someone's on you, MF. Or like here we go. Like now you know how it feels. Um, no, because. Because all these performances do, and this is and this is the unfortunate thing is that Kevin Durant is such a historic special player, right? Like we should be celebrating this guy and the way he's playing in the finals, but because of the decision he made and because of the way the the Warriors were able to stack the deck and throw off the the, the balance of co- competition in the league, uh, because of all those things, it is going to take a historic run of success, and it's going to take a long time of perspective for people to come around on KD. And I think it's crazy unfortunate. And that's not how I'm going to view him, but that's how that's how most fans are going to view him because it feels unfair. And that's the one thing uh, all of us don't like in sports, right, is when is when professional sports feel unfair. And so, like, I really think, like, and I, not to go LeBron here, but I really think it's like, not three, not four, but you know, not five. Like I, it's going to take an insane amount of of championships and probably like four in a row, which is going to make this thing even more boring unless they're challenged in this stretch. But it's probably going to take like three or four in a row for people to be like, you know what, KD, I respect it. 
Well, and the other thing is, and we, you know, we're all prisoners of the moment. Let's go back in time, Zach, because I see a lot of this, which is the 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 LeBron haters, um, the idea that so many people now don't love LeBron, appreciate LeBron as much as they should. And it it can all be tracked back. I, I forgive me, I can't remember who tweeted this, but I saw somebody on a retweet last night say, you know, let's go back in time and just remember, like while everybody's now, you know, talking about LeBron being the great guy and and crapping on Durant. Once upon a time, LeBron James put together a super team and held a sold out concert event to tell everybody he put on a super team. <laughs> right? You know what I mean? Like. Let's go back and die. Like, to, there be is fair, no, to be fair, you throw a laser show and a, and a smoke machine anywhere <laughs> in Miami, you're getting a sold-out crowd. So, like, that, you know, I get that could it. have been any. I get it, but that's all. That's what started all of this. Nobody nobody turned on LeBron until then. Nobody. And so no, now, but, 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 but he, had that, he had the humbling moment, right? He had Dirk whip him, like, just destroy him in an NBA Finals. And that was the thing. Like, he got outplayed by J. He couldn't score on J.J. Barea. Like, that was the thing. He had a humbling moment after putting that together to where he had to kind of reset everything internally and go, I'm not going to be this guy. I'm not going to be this villain. I'm not going to be this, you know, this figure. Like, I'm going to find ways to persevere through this. And he did. Kevin Durant, and I mean, unless we get a turnaround like we had last year, Kevin Durant's not going to have that humbling moment. He's going to get everything he signed for from day one. And that's what irritates people even more. Right, exactly, because because we knew this was how it was going to be. That's the it's, thing. A, it's like, almost if, like, Miami put it together and kicked the shit out of everybody, we would have really super hated Durant for it. Or, I'm sorry, LeBron yeah, for I've, it, right? If they would have right, just come exactly. out and blasted Dallas, we'd have been like, this, you know, come on, this is this is ridiculous. <laughs> you know you, you know what the, you know what the Warriors are right now with, with Kevin Durant? They're an M. Night Shyamalan movie in that it can be beautifully shot. It can be well-written. It can have great performances. It can have James McAvoy in there doing a great job as like this split personality person and, and really nailing that role. But you know, it, you know, it's, you know, an unsatisfying ending is coming. And you know that when that <laughs> happens, you're going to come back to yourself and go, yep, I knew that was going to happen. Why did I watch this? And that's what the Warriors are. The Warriors are the unsatisfying ending for everyone outside of the Bay Area. For every non-Warriors fan, like, this is, why did I watch this season? We knew this was going to happen. And that's what it becomes. You, know, you can't have M. Night Shyamalan be the star of your, of your industry. And that's what it is in the NBA right now. That was an unbelievable analogy. I give you a tremendous amount. I got to write that one that. too. I got. I'm cranking out articles here, man. I, Bill I gotta, Russell I has. Talk. Bill Russell has ruined the NBA. The Warriors are an M Night Shyamalan movie. You're, you you're know, on, I don't want to sully. I don't want to sully the great name of Bill Russell. I may flip this on Wilt Chamberlain because Wilt Chamberlain couldn't beat Bill Russell. <laughs> this led to Jerry West getting dominated. I got. I got. And you know, rest in peace to Wilt. But like, uh, you know, I. I would hate for Bill Russell to hear about this. Like the ghost of Wilt Chamberlain hearing about this, I could deal with that. Do you know one of my favorite movie? Uh, my, one of my favorite memories of all time was I got a chance to interview Bill Russell, and I asked him. Th- this is going to shock a lot of people that don't know this, but I was asking him about basically like what he likes pop culture wise, outside of you know just, just regular basketball stuff. Um, and do you know what he told me? 
He said, "Please don't tell me he said M Night Shyamalan movies because no. that'll definitely." This is—I okay. think this is going to be more shocking. Bill Russell, massive Trekkie. He what? loves. He loves Star Trek. I was. Wow. I was floored. Floored. Absolutely floored. He ended the interview with me, even... and he said, "Live long and prosper." That's what he said. What? <laughs> I swear. I swear to this day, I'll never forget as long as I live. A massive Trekkie. Like, knows everything about it, too. What? I know. This is like, you know how we have these, these like, Instagram videos from Aisha Curry where Steph, Steph is, like, singing along to Frozen and stuff like this. And people are like, oh, he's right. such a nerd. He's so corny. Like, that turns Bill Russell into, like, the original Steph Curry. Like, he was just this nerdy guy dominating the NBA. Who knew? Who knew, right? That's I amazing. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. There's a there's a little fun fact for everybody that listens to the Ringer NBA show. That's a true story, though. When I asked him, I was absolutely floored. When I, I mean, am that's blown just away not, here. That is just not what I expected him to say he was into. No. <laughs> you could have given me a thousand guesses. I would have never gotten to Star Trek. <laughs> It was actually the reason uh the reason I had got to do an interview with him is he was he was uh promoting a book. And by the way, for anybody out there, an amazing book. It's called Red and Me, My Coach, My Lifelong oh, Friend. Great book. Yeah. Great book. That Bill Russell wrote about him and his relationship with Red Auerbach, which is absolutely incredible. But then like at the end of the interview, we just start talking about other stuff and that's when he brought that up and I was like, "What?" Yeah, so probably I, now that I said that, we'll switch it to Wilt. It's Wilt's fault, or yeah, Elgin, or Elgin Baylor, or somebody else we can slander. Not not Bill. Oh Russell. yeah, because I could kind of throw in those. See, he like even couldn't take down the Warriors when he was running the Clippers. I could throw some stuff. I don't know. Elgin seems like a nice guy, though. Okay, fine. Then let's not do that Wilt a, wasn't a nice guy. It's, Gail Goodrich. <laughs> Gail Goodrich can get it, uh, and maybe I'll try to bring it back to like George Mikan. And then just, why you know the Target Center. The Target Center having a George Mikan statue in its lobby is is the reason the league can't be good. <laughs> All right, so right now, after the two games, I hate to do the grand overreaction, but what in your mind are the chances that Cleveland does not get swept? Do you think they will at least win a game? And and I think I think it, the line's like three for game three, Warriors-Cavs. Uh, I said I thought, you know, if they're going to get one, it's game three. Hell, even you, you were there. You covered the Utah series. Even Utah was up by double digits at halftime in the game three. And if Durant yeah, doesn't... Yeah, they were, they were if, up into the third quarter. Yeah, and Durant like, went off to another stratosphere in that fourth quarter. And well, here, here's, how, here's how tough that is. is that not only Durant went off, he was attacking Rudy Gobert by design. Yeah. Like, he, he, they didn't just go, he didn't just get back in the game. He said, there's your best defender. There's your defensive player of the year, Utah. I'm going to go take him out. And that's what he did. He just put him in a pick and roll all night long and hit him with jumpers and went to the basket. And, the you know, maybe the best defensive center in the league couldn't do anything. Couldn't do anything to stop it. So, like, it would, I mean, to, to your point about, like, maybe Cleveland wins, you know, game three, like that's the one they're going to win. This Warriors team did have problems winning game three the last couple of years. And that could just be a completely random thing. But maybe the focus, like, I know they corrected that this year because they, they haven't lost anything. But maybe there, maybe there is a little bit of, of a difference in focus from the team to up 2-0 to the team coming in desperate for a win, and maybe that does happen. But I, I got to tell you, man, I'm I'm expecting a sweep at this point, and I'm ready. 
I'm ready for LeBron to prove me wrong because it's really dumb to doubt LeBron James. I'm ready for him to prove me wrong, but I'm expecting this week. Well, there we go. Because, I mean, er- earlier in the podcast, I thought you made a good point, which is at least if they go 16-0, and it's this totally historic. They have maybe they have at least produced what can be argued as the greatest team ever, and at least yeah. At least, and, I don't, and I don't know that it I don't know that it redeems last year's seventy three and nine don't win the title, right? Maybe that takes a long time to get over that to to you know get that tarnish out of this whole run. Uh, but at least you come back the next year and you go, yeah, but we went perfect in the playoffs and no one's ever done that. Which at least that's history. Right, at least we're getting some history out of it. It's history none of us care about. It's like the War of 1812. Like, we know what happened. None of us care about it. But, uh, you know, at least you you got to learn at some point in the history books. He is Zach Harper. You can read him at fanragsports.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Talk Hoops. Zach, you're the man. Thanks, buddy. My man, anytime. Thanks for listening to another Ringer NBA show. If you dig what you're hearing, go give us a rating and review on iTunes. We will talk to you on Thursday. Ready, ready.